0: Chapter 11 of the Chronicles of Clovis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Chronicles of Clovis by Hector Monroe. Chapter 11 Adrian, a chapter in acclimatization his baptismal register spoke of him pessimistically as john henry but he had left that behind with the other maladies of infancy and his friends knew him under the front name of adrian his mother lived in bethnal green which was not altogether his fault one can discourage too much history in one's family but one cannot always prevent geography and after all the bethnal green habit has this virtue that it is seldom transmitted to the next generation adrian lived in a roomlet which came under the auspicious constellation of w how he lived was to a great extent a mystery even to himself his struggle for existence probably coincided in many material details with the rather dramatic accounts he gave of it to sympathetic acquaintances all that is definitely known is that he now and then emerged from the struggle to dine at the Ritz or Carlton, correctly garbed, and with a correctly critical appetite. On these occasions, he was usually the guest of Lucas Croydon, an amiable worldling who had three thousand a year and a taste for introducing impossible people to irreproachable cookery like most men who combine three thousand a year with an uncertain digestion lucas was a socialist and he argued that you cannot hope to elevate the masses until you have brought plovers eggs into their lives and taught them to appreciate the difference between coupe jacques and macedoine de Fuy. his friends pointed out that it was a doubtful kindness to initiate a boy from behind a drapery counter into the blessedness of the higher catering to which lucas invariably replied that all kindnesses were doubtful which was perhaps true it was after one of his adrian evenings that lucas met his aunt mrs Meberley, at a fashionable tea-shop where the lamp of family life is still kept burning and you meet relatives who might otherwise have slipped your memory Who is that good-looking boy who was dining with you last night she asked he looked much too nice to be thrown away upon you. Susan Meberley was a charming woman, but she was also an aunt. "'Who are his people?' she continued, when the protégé's name, revised version, had been given her. "'His mother lives at Beth.' Lucas checked himself on the threshold of what was perhaps a social indiscretion. "'Beth? Where is it? It sounds like Asia Minor. Is she mixed up with councillor people?' oh no her work lies among the poor this was a side slip into truth the mother of adrian was employed in a laundry i see said mrs Meberley. mission work of some sort and meanwhile the boy has no one to look after him it's obviously my duty to see that he doesn't come to harm bring him to call on me my dear aunt susan expostulated lucas i really know very little about him he may not be at all nice, you know, on further acquaintance. He has delightful hair and a weak mouth. I shall take him with me to Hamburg or Cairo. It's the maddest thing I ever heard of, said Lucas angrily. Well, there is a strong strain of madness in our family. If you haven't noticed it yourself, all your friends must have. One is so dreadfully under everybody's eyes at Hamburg. At least you might give him a preliminary trial at Etretat. And be surrounded by Americans trying to talk French? No, thank you. I love Americans. But not when they try to talk French. What a blessing it is that they never try to talk English. Tomorrow at five you can bring your young friend to call on me. And Lucas, realizing that Susan Meberly was a woman as well as an aunt, saw that she would have to be allowed to have her own way. Adrian was duly carried abroad under the Mebberley wing— but as a reluctant concession to sanity hamburg and other inconveniently fashionable resorts were given a wide berth and the memberly establishment planted itself down in the best hotel at Dolidorf, an alpine townlet somewhere at the back of the Angadine. it was the usual kind of resort with the usual type of visitors that one finds over the greater part of switzerland during the summer season but to adrian it was all unusual the mountain air, the certainty of regular and abundant meals, and in particular the social atmosphere, affected him much as the indiscriminating fervor of a forcing-house might affect a weed that had strayed within its limits. He had been brought up in a world where breakages were regarded as crimes and expiated as such it was something new and altogether exhilarating to find that you were considered rather amusing if you smashed things in the right manner and at the recognized hours. Susan Meberley had expressed the intention of showing Adrian a bit of the world. The particular bit of the world, represented by Dolodorf, began to be shown a good deal of Adrian. Lucas got occasional glimpses of the alpine sojourn, not from his aunt or Adrian, but from the industrious pen of clovis who was also moving as a satellite in the mebberley constellation the entertainment which susan got up last night ended in disaster i thought it would the grubmeyer child a particularly loathsome five-year-old had appeared as bubbles during the early part of the evening and been put to bed during the interval adrian watched his opportunity and kidnapped it when the nurse was downstairs and introduced it during the second half of the entertainment thinly disguised as a performing pig it certainly looked very like a pig and grunted and slobbered just like the real article no one knew exactly what it was but everyone said it was awfully clever especially the grubmeyers at the third curtain adrian pinched it too hard and it yelled Mama! i am supposed to be good at descriptions but don't ask me to describe the sayings and doings of the grubmeyers at that moment it was like one of the angrier psalms set to strauss's music we have moved to an hotel higher up the valley clovis's next letter arrived five days later and was written from the hotel steinbach we left the hotel victoria this morning it was fairly comfortable and quiet at least there was an air of repose about it when we arrived before we had been in residence twenty-four hours most of the repose had vanished like a dutiful dream as adrian expressed it however nothing duly outrageous happened till last night when adrian had a fit of insomnia and amused himself by unscrewing and transposing all the bedroom numbers on his floor he transferred the bathroom label to the adjoining bedroom door which happened to be that of frau Hoftat schilling and this morning from seven o'clock onwards the old lady had a stream of involuntary visitors she was too horrified and scandalized it seems to get up and lock her door the would-be bathers flew back in confusion to their rooms and of course the change of numbers led them astray again in the corridor gradually filled with panic-stricken scantily robed humans dashing wildly about like rabbits in a ferret infested warren it took nearly an hour before the guests were all sorted into their respective rooms and the frau hofrat's condition was still causing some anxiety when we left susan is beginning to look a little worried she can't very well turn the boy adrift, as he hasn't got any money, and she can't send him to his people, as he doesn't know where they are. Adrian says his mother moves about a good deal, and he's lost her address. Probably, if the truth were known, he's had a row at home. So many boys nowadays seem to think that quarrelling with one's family is a recognized occupation. Lucas's next communication from the travelers took the form of a telegram from Mrs. Meberley herself. It was sent... Reply, prepaid, and consisted of a single sentence. In heaven's name, where is Beth? End of chapter 11